Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, we're in a, a, a family series this summer in the beautiful book of Proverbs. And the series is titled, This is How We Family. And so it may be this morning that your attention was arrested as you look to the screen and you see a sermon titled, This is How We Hate. And so this morning, I want you to open your Bibles and let's read the passage of Scripture that the Lord has led me to. Again, we're just working our way through this book of the Bible, Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. I cannot think of a more appropriate passage of Scripture on this 4th of July weekend. I cannot think of a more appropriate passage of Scripture in this context that our country is in right now than this passage of Scripture. There is so much hate and division in our country right now that the Lord has led me this morning to talk about hate. And if you're thinking, well, I, I, I thought you were going to say because there's so much hate that the Lord has led you to talk about love. Folks, we're not going to understand the love of God until we get a perspective on good hate. And if you're thinking, okay, wait a minute, I'm not for sure I've ever heard those two words put together like that, good hate. I'm not for sure I have either. And yet, there is good hate and there's bad hate. Just like there's a good fight and a bad fight. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. There is good jealousy and there's bad jealousy. As a matter of fact, you can pretty much take any word and as far as God wants to take it one way towards blessing, you can be assured Satan wants to take it the other way towards cursing. The word rejoice, what a wonderful word, it's a good word. And yet Proverbs chapter 2 says there are those who rejoice in doing evil. Well, that's a bad rejoicing. Love, it's a good word. God is love. And yet Proverbs chapter 1 asks the question, how long, will, oh simple one, will you love being simple? That's a bad love to love going against God. And so we have to understand that there's good hate and there's bad hate. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, we could argue it a couple of different ways. In the very way that we express ourselves we know that there's such a thing as good hate. If one morning uh, your dearest friend were to call you and say, you wouldn't believe this, but last night our house caught on fire, burned to the ground, we lost everything. It may very well be that you would respond by saying, I hate to hear that. That's a good hate. I hate when 
suffering when tragedy happens to someone. We hate that. I think what's so weird about this is from a child up, we've been taught not to hate. As a matter of fact, in the house that I grew up in, so thankful for my mom and dad, thankful to get to be raised in a Christian home, there were a lot of words that were off limits. I mean, you just didn't say them. I came in one day, Seminole, Oklahoma, the street that ran by our house, we'd had a big rain, and the whole ditch was filled up with water. Well, in Seminole, Oklahoma, that's a pretty interesting thing. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's one of the more exciting things that happened that day. And so I went home and I said to my mother, oh, you should have seen this ditch is completely full of water. It sure looks stud. And she said, we don't say that word. Had no idea what I'd said wrong, but you're not supposed to say that word. Well, hate was a word you didn't say. You did not. It didn't matter if you're talking about broccoli or asparagus. You don't say hate. You just don't say it. And so here we are in a country that the messages we hear are end hate, stop hate, don't be a hater. And yet this morning we read in the Bible there are six things that God hates. Well, folks, our God does no wrong. Our God is a perfect God. And yet the Bible says there are six things, no, seven that God hates. And so there must be a good hate. As a matter of fact, we could even go so far as to say there must be a godly hate. And it's because in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which is that beautiful passage, remember a time for war and a time for peace, a time to build, a time to tear down. It says in verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate. And so there's there's a good hate. Folks, here's the trouble. I want to get everyone's attention. Here's the trouble. We're hating the wrong things. We hate losing to Texas. But we don't hate losing our temper. We hate being lied to and taken advantage of unless we can lie to our advantage. And then we don't hate that. We hate stealing, but we don't hate stealing from the Lord. We hate it when the other side of the political aisle makes fun of us, but we don't hate making fun of the other side of the political aisle. We hate cancer, but we don't hate the spiritual cancer of unforgiveness. And so, folks, this morning, in order for a a lost world, in order for Christians to fully understand about the love of God, we have got to understand what we're supposed to hate. Good hate. Proverbs chapter 6, hear it one more time. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you. Father, we can't, we, there, there's no good that we have apart from you. And so, Lord, nothing good is going to come of this 
unless you do it. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would open our hearts and our minds to the good that you desire to do today. I pray that someone today would understand for the first time the love of God. Lord, I pray for someone to be saved. I pray for hearts to turn to you. And Lord, you have convicted my heart so much this week. Lord, I pray that I would draw closer to you through the hearing of your word. Lord, speak through me. May you receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can't read that passage of scripture without, first of all, coming to an understanding that God is perfect. The Bible says God hates sin. Six things, no seven, that God hates. And you can't read that without understanding God is perfect. He is perfectly good, he's perfectly right, he's perfectly true, and he is perfectly holy. Therefore, that's why God hates sin. Sin is an affront to the character of God. God is perfectly right, perfectly good, perfectly true, perfectly holy. And so every sin is an affront to the character of God, and God hates that. Every sin is a rebellion against the rightful authority of our God, the Lord of heavens and earth, the maker of all things. It is an, aff- it is an affront to his character, and it is a rebellion against his authority, and God hates sin. God hates sin because it separates the crown of his creation. You and me, it separates us from him. Therefore, God hates sin. Boy, we can't get away from understanding there's one other reason that God hates sin. And it's because it was the penalty of my sin and your sin That the Son, the only begotten Son of our Heavenly Father, suffered and bled and died. It was for the penalty of our sin. God hates sin. Clay and Tanya from Shawnee lived in Shawnee for a while, and they remember this. And some I've told this before. Our son Zachary, he when he was only two years old, he's our second son. A, a large wall unit at a church in Shawnee. Uh, it was close to six feet tall and probably about six to seven feet wide. That entire wall unit fell from the wall, and our son was the only one underneath it that when it hit, and it quite literally took his entire scalp off the top of his head. It nearly killed him. He lost so much blood. There was a man working at OBU at the time, and he came to the emergency room, and he said to me, is there anything that we can do to help you? And one of my first thoughts was, get rid of that cabinet. That cabinet nearly took our son's life. Get rid of it. I'll be okay if I never, ever see that cabinet again. Friends, our sin... Our Savior died for. The penalty for our sin, our Heavenly Father's only begotten Son died for that sin. Get rid of it. God is perfect, holy, right, true, good, and He is perfect in love and He hates sin. 
As a matter of fact, he's so perfect in love that point number two, he loves you so much that the only fitting response to anything that could hurt you is God hates it. I want you to listen to that again because we can't understand God's hate without seeing a beautiful picture of the love of God. Every single one of these seven things hurts you. And so God loves you so much that the only fitting response to something that could hurt you is God hates it. Haughty eyes. What, what that is, is pride. Pride and arrogance, that's, that's what haughty eyes are. Well, how does that hurt you? Well, pride is what C.S. Lewis referred to in the book Mere Christianity as the complete anti-God state of mind. And it's because it's what pride, it's the pride that was in Lucifer, the angel, that he tried to supplant God and put himself on the throne, and therefore Lucifer, Satan, was cast down. It was pride. Pride is what leads to every sin. Every time we're tempted by sin and we're, we, we face the temptation and we think, well, I'm going to go ahead and do that, it's because we think we know better than God. It's pride. Pride hurts us. And so the only fitting response to that pride is God hates it. A lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. And and this morning, here's the danger. First of all, I want you to know the reason that God hates a lying tongue is because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so every time we speak a falsehood, every time a lie comes out, even the one that we want to identify as a little white lie, every time a lie comes out of our mouth, it moves us away from Christ who is the truth. So God hates it. Now, here's the danger. The danger is for some of us to say, oh, well, you're speaking to the wrong person because I do not lie. I I, I just won't do it. I will not tell a lie. Well, John in 1 John helps us to identify what a lie is and who a liar is. So here's 1 John chapter 1. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so if a person says, oh, no, 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 listen, I'm a follower of Christ. Well, are you truly following him? Well, no, I'm not really following him. Well, then the Bible says if we say we have fellowship, but we're not walking with him, then we lie. First John chapter 4. Look at this one. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So friends, we have to understand that before we quickly say, oh, I don't lie, I don't ever tell a lie, we need to understand a really good definition of a lie and a liar. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Look at the third one, it says, hands that shed innocent blood. Tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock, right here in this worship center, we will have a funeral service for Ben Mon. Ben lived 
less than 24 hours. He's the son of Brian and Bree. In, in the womb, Ben was diagnosed with trisomy 13, which is one of the most horrible birth defects. And so upon that diagnosis, Brian and Bree, there were medical professionals who put pressure on them to abort the child. They explained that in trisomy 13, sometimes the child is so malformed that the parents really can't even view the the infant. But because of Brian and Bree's spiritual convictions... They didn't do that. They believed that God knitted that baby together in his mother's womb. They believed that that baby is fearfully and wonderfully made. And that baby's life belongs to God. God's the one who made him, and so it's not ours to take. And so they prayed for that baby. They gave that baby every chance to live. And they put the baby in the hands of God. And so Ben was born. They got to see a beautiful picture of God's creation. They got to see and hold in their hands a soul, a living soul. And then when that baby died, they know that that baby is now with the Lord. That baby never missed a meal. They said he wouldn't be able to eat. He actually nursed from his mother. God gave him life. And I want you to know this morning that God hates hands that shed innocent blood. And at the same time, I need you to hear there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. I want you to know that if you've ever experienced that there is healing that can only come through Jesus Christ. He can heal a heart. And so please turn to him. And for all of us here, I I need you to hear one more thing. We need to be very careful and say, well, I would never do that. And then someone approaches us and says, I'm considering an abortion. What do you think? And we respond with, well, whatever would make you happy. Whatever you think is best. Well, that's not for me to say. Friends, we need to share the truth in love. Because God hates hands that shed innocent blood. God hates a heart that devises wicked plans. And again, what we have to remember here, the reason that God hates a heart that devises wicked plans is because God died for your heart. 
God gave his son's life for your heart. He wants your heart, the very core of who you are. He wants you. He wants you to love him with all your heart. And so a heart that devises wicked plans is a heart that's moving away from God. And again, the danger here is for believers to say, well, okay, I've never committed murder, so I'm okay. I've never committed adultery, so I'm okay. The Bible doesn't say hands that committed murder. It says a heart that devises wicked plans. It's why Jesus said, if you're harboring anger in your heart against your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Because it's a heart that devises wicked plans that God despises. Feet that are swift to run to evil. God hates that. Sometimes we refer to someone, you know what, that guy's just looking for a fight. Okay, God, God hates that. Where it's a verbal fight, a physical fight, whatever it is. Feet that are swift to run to evil. A heart that devises wicked plans and then feet that are quick to carry them out. God hates that. God doesn't desire us to be quick to do evil, but instead he desires for us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. He desires for us to be quick to show grace and mercy and compassion. That's what God desires for us to be quick to. It's the picture of the father in the prodigal son story. I love the passage that says, and while the son was still a long ways off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran to him. That's the feat that God shows us quick to grace, quick to forgiveness, quick to mercy. The sixth thing, a false witness that breathes out lies. Folks, again, if you're thinking, well, that's just another way of saying lying. No, this is talking about slander. This is talking about people. That's what he's talking about here. And that hurts us. Instead of being a false witness who breathes out lies, God desires for us to be a true witness who's breathing out the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants us to breathe out. And then the last one. The one who sows discord among the brothers. God hates that. Why? Because it hurts us. It is the very thing. That before Jesus went to the cross, his prayer for all of us was, Lord, may they be one. May there be a unity. May they be one just as you and I are one, the Son and the Father. Whenever there is unity among us, that is a picture of the unity of Jesus Christ with his Father. And so anyone who sows discord among the brothers, God hates that. And so here's the last thing. But these are not for us to hate in others. It's for us to hate in ourselves. I want to make sure everyone heard that. This is not, this list is not given in Scripture for us to hate in others. This passage is given to us for us to hate in ourselves. It's what C.S. Lewis said again in that book, Mere Christianity. He said, it's so easy to recognize sin in others and not be able to recognize it in ourselves. 
It's what Jesus meant in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, before you deal with the speck in your brother's eye, look, you need to consider the board in your own eye. This is not for us to hate in others. This is for us to hate in ourselves. Because, friends, we are told in Colossians chapter 3 to put to death the members of our body. And so look at this passage of Scripture. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And now there's going to be two different lists. I want you to notice the similarities between Proverbs 6 and this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger. Wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Friends, you won't put to death those things in your body unless you hate them. And to use the phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner, is completely ineffective unless that person knows you are far more repulsed by the sin in your own heart than you are repulsed by the sin that is in them. Outward love of God starts when we understand, Lord, I've got to take any hate that I have towards those outside. I've got to take any hate in my heart towards those outside, and I've got to make sure that there is a hate that turns inward to those things in me that you hate. Folks, there was a moment in preparing for this sermon. I'm sitting in a chair, and the Holy Spirit truly internalized this sermon because at the same moment I understood how much God loves me and at the same moment I understood he hates sin within me. And too many times we try to objectify it. We say, well, that, that sin, that's outside. That, that's really not me. It is me. And the sin that separates me from God not only hurts me, but I want you to know it hurts others. What pride does is I overvalue myself and undervalue all those around me. When I lie, I'm intentionally trying to mislead someone into deceit. Every single one of them is injurious to others. And so I had to understand, God, you love me, but you also hate those things within me. And Lord, until I turn that hate inward, there is always the danger of that old man showing anger and wrath and malice because I'm not putting them to death. And so, Lord, I've got to hate that within me. Because that's the only way I'll desire to put it to death. Our Heavenly Father, 
Lord, we want to say thank you that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. That, Lord, we see how much you hate sin and that your full wrath poured out on your son. And so now, Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who is under the condemnation of sin, Lord, it may be that they've been trying to save themselves. They've been trying to be a good enough person. Lord, I pray that today someone would experience the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that hearts would turn to you. I pray for saved people in this room, those watching online, that, Lord, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, we would respond to you and draw closer to you, that we would truly desire to put to death those things in our heart because you hate them. Lord, add to us and call out from us. May your will be done in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.